Hi, my name is Tina Drolls, and I'm happy to welcome you in the Eco Civilization podcast of September month with Tim Olson. Tim is a futurist, pestist, and in betweenist, and of you also practitioner of humaning and designer of three houses, as he describes himself. He also explores prototypes and incubates tools for eco civilization. And on September 22nd, do not miss Connectaton, here's organizing for eco-civilization. Dear team, welcome and tell us first what attracted you to connect with eco-civilization and how do you see this movement? Well, uh, hi Tina, thank you for inviting me. Um, and I think I, when Violetta first spoke to me about eco-civilization or spoke about eco-civilization, I kind of a, a light bulb went off in my mind and I realized this is the uh, the gathering concept for so many diverse um, groups and tribes and people and projects around the world that don't know, don't really understand how they're connected yet, but under the eco-civilization that the idea of this future civilization that is sustainable and regenerative and that could one day take us to the stars, um, that doesn't matter if you're a singularitarian or you know singularity university alumni, if you're a Burning Man aficionado, if you if you uh, if you're into permaculture, live in an eco village, like there's such a broad um, scope of people uh, that could come together under the the banner of eco civilization. So I think that's why uh, eco civilization appeals to me. It's an idea that belongs to everyone and no one. Uh, it's it's a flag and it isn't a flag, so it's an umbrella, and that's what I like about the idea of eco civilization. You describe yourself as futurist, pestist, and in betweenist. So, tentative also practitioner of human ink and designer of three houses. Please explain a bit more in details. What are you doing? Well, um, so that was uh, I can't remember if that was on Twitter or or LinkedIn, but that is more of a uh, tongue in cheek kind of response. Or description, but I'd say that as a futurist, being interested in the future, hence eco civilization, but also pastist because the future builds on the past. And to understand the human algorithm, we need to understand the past uh, and where we create the tools uh, for that future uh, built on the past is in the, the present. So that would be my my reference to those three temporal aspects um, and humaning, uh, practicing humaning. Uh, Humaning is, a, is an adventure, and being a human is an, an, is an adventure, you know, and uh, there are many things we need to learn in a lifetime. So I think it's something that we, we are continuously working on um, as humans. And, uh, and yes, I uh, occasionally build tree houses and I try to live in tree houses as much as possible. Um, can you maybe tell me about one of your current projects? that uh, you are passionate about um well i'd say like the two main current projects uh, uh, so the first one is is the obviously kodu which is uh, the uh, the networking platform that we'll be using and as a backdrop for the the coming connectathon um it's basically a a um, still a centralized platform but it's a centralized platform to to connect change makers with with the projects around the world so for volunteers and 
people's resources and people to be able to meet. Um, I'd say that, that uh, yeah, I'd like to think of it as like a dating site for change makers. So that's a project I'm quite excited about. Uh, and the, the next project in the pipe is the altruistic wallet, which is a wallet that you can't spend on yourself. You can only spend it on other people. Um, and that is the next major project that I'm hoping to embark upon. Okay, about the Kudu and Connected Sano, we are going to discuss a bit later. But tell me about your altruistic wallet, because I was just reading this um, on the internet and it's amazing. Can you tell about the intention, um, how it works? Well, the, the idea um, was born out of an early version of, of Kodu. Uh, back in the old days, we were calling it CrowdPole and we were building, uh, the idea was to build a, you know, traditional well maybe not traditional but a, a social uh, a social platform for people to connect in a way that that uh, you really can't on most social media today so for looking for a deeper connection um, and, and and to do things together things for the world uh, the structure we wanted was a membership based structure no advertising no selling of data so membership uh, a membership funded platform but once if you have a million or five million or 10 million users you are making a lot more money than you need to maintain the platform so what do you do with the surplus money and the traditional way is to you know create a fund and then people can write and apply for money from that fund and you have a board of directors that sifts through all these applications etc etc uh, or you could simply pay the money back to the members of the platform you know you get like dividends okay you paid us $10 and we only needed $3. So here's $7 back. But just giving you $7 back, you know, you go out and buy ice cream or half a half a meal for that money. And that might feel good in the short term, but in the long term, it won't make any difference in your life. But if you were to allocate that money instead on some kind of project you believe in as part of the network, it A, will make you feel a lot better, but it also will have great benefit for, for the world, you know. Uh, so that's sort of the, the basic idea of the altruistic wallet, uh, a way to, in a decentralized way, allocate resources rather than uh, surplus resources. And then the idea has grown from there to, to um, encompass a lot more. But that is the basic idea. Would you say that digital world leads human beings towards egoism rather than altruism? Um, I'd say that the type of digital media that we are currently are employing definitely leads us away from altruism. I don't think it's natural. You know, I, I think there is, or I think I think there's a, enough research, you know, with mirror neurons and other aspects of, of human behavior to show that altruism is, uh, that in-group altruism is is uh, crucial for our survival as, as, as groups, as tribes, and, and ultimately as a species. Um, so I think that the one of the main reasons why why social media is, has instead of brought us closer to each other, has uh, pulled us more apart, is simply the nature of the way we set it up. We set it up, you know, as, as for-profit models, uh, where where uh, you, if you're going to run a social media platform like Facebook or Meta, as they call themselves today, or, or Instagram or whatever, if you're not charging, um, if you don't get contributions in the form of money from people using the platform, you need to monetize it. So obviously you monetize it through advertising or through mining uh, user data or through manipulating users, all of these, or all three of them as often as the case, because that's the only way to make money. And once you can start making money, then 
it becomes about making more money. And that, of course, will create a certain type of culture. And if you now add to that algorithms that look to get you as engaged as possible, because the more engaged you are, then the more the more time you screen time you spend, that translates into the more ad money or ad or you know, whatever it is you're, you're selling. Uh, obviously, you, you have a race to the bottom or the Society for Humane Technology. Mm-hmm. But basically, you, you create algorithms that agitate people. Um, and the best way to do that is to go through more and more extreme uh, news cycles and push people towards more and more extreme opinions of, of reality. So that, uh, that setup of social media has led us uh, in, in, a district, in a direction that's really tearing us apart as a, as a society. That said, it, that doesn't have to be so because it's just a tool and the way you design the tool that will that's the way your culture will unfold so the tool that we just decided so designed so far has been very much one of, of division but as we are new, moving into a new space a lot mainly thanks to the development of cryptocurrencies and the whole crypto spaces we're now moving towards a new phase of decentralization um, and that will allow for a whole new type of business model uh, with a whole new type of metrics. So I think that there is some hope that in, if that is not controlled by them, uh, uh, rolled out and controlled by the large corporations, but rather rolled out uh, in a decentralized manner, uh, I think that we could uh, we could give birth to a different type of culture, definitely. Anyhow, digital power has become power in the real world. And what is the role of technologies in the future development of humanity? Okay, probably decentralization, as you mentioned, with cryptocurrencies. Well, I'd say uh, cryptocurrencies are, are just like the, the, the first uh, parts of, of this, this development that's, that's happening. Um, I think the idea of digital twins, as you can talk about it, is, is really powerful. Um, and uh, of decentralized uh, identity or, or self-sovereign identity, but a, a twin that you completely control. You know, you own the keys, as, as the Bitcoin people often speak about, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So, so this is an identity that you control and you connect that identity to all other identities on the planet uh, through a shared network where you now are a node in that network. But through being your own node, you can decide like what information do I share with whom, whose information do I, do I store because it's valuable for me to store, who am I in this network, what is my trust ranking in this network. Who? Um, so if you look at Uber or maybe a better example would be Airbnb, as a, as a host and a guest, you're always rating each other and you're, you're always trying to behave fairly nicely because you know that if I behave badly and I get a bad review, that's going to have consequences for me. And the problem, of course, is in a global world, you've no idea who person A is if they say who they are or anything. But through this kind of network, we can move back into a society of trust where your word, and your, your, where your word is your bond. So you can start, and when you do things for community, when you do things for other people, and you behave in a way that is socially appreciated by other people, you can actually raise, um, um, that becomes the currency of itself that will give you access to people that you couldn't normally reach out to. So there can be a different kind of game, uh, a game of uh, increased trust uh, and a game because that creates more connection and ultimately connection is is the prize. Like if you can go to a network of a million people and you can reach the people at the top of the network or the, those with the most influence, because you are that trusted, then it doesn't matter if you have money because now you have access. Uh, so I think that is something that could mean a significant shift. It also means that in a sense, when we used to live in small tribes of, of um, below the Dunbar number of like 80 people or around there, 
you kind of knew everyone, you had a relationship with everyone, you know who you could trust and who you, who was less trustworthy and who, you, you know, if you lend somebody something, if you get it back in one piece, I mean, everyone knew everything about each other. And I don't think we necessarily want to return to that kind of world on the global scale, but it would be kind of nice on the global scale, uh, you know, to have some kind of global recognition, like you have of somebody coming to stay with you on Airbnb, they have five, six, uh, they've been in five, six, they have five, six reviews. So you have some kind of idea who they are. And that's basically the same system, only a lot more uh, nuanced. Um, so we could have this global village that actually encompasses um, um, all of humanity. According to IT tools, I would like to open um, another perspective. How can we keep IT tools built on the aspiration of democracy, like you mentioned blockchains, cryptocurrencies, etc. Democratic, not to be misused to build or strengthen the current empires. Um, well, I'd say that they'd have to be truly um, decentralized. And I mean, I'm not a Bitcoin maximalist uh, in the sense that I, I see that there are there are other ways, and, and especially in trust systems, then proof of stake is is an interesting option rather than proof of work or an alternative to proof of work. So, so I think that if we can create decentralized systems with self-sovereign identities that where we are nodes in the system um, as individuals, uh, rather than than uh, uh, top-down state-controlled uh, systems, then uh, then I see that there is definitely possibility for something else to evolve. Uh, in the top-down system, there's very little possibility for anything to else, else to evolve because the game is is to maximize profit or maximize control. But if you have a, a bottom-up technology development, um, then you have a different uh, yeah you have different options. And I, and I think there's what you can see in even if it's a fairly small portion of the crypto space that is is involved in open source and and doing this for the sake of the value of building a new system. I mean, the majority of people involved are are trying to get rich quick. Let's let's not be uh, mixed words about that. Uh, you know, anything that goes up 100% or two or 500% in value over a year is going to attract people who want to make money. But if you listen to some of like the, the big names uh, of the network, like uh, Vitalik Buterin uh, or Charles Hoskinson of, of Cardano, if you can hear minds that are understanding, they understand the system in a different way than previous the previous billionaire class, did uh, and they don't sort of necessarily come from money they come from ideas that happen to be that become very very valuable so i think that there's probably enough money out there enough developers out there that can start building really good open source um, technology that isn't linked to a single um, cryptocurrency and um, that doesn't actually require a cryptocurrency which i also think is quite important because um, having to own even a fraction of a bitcoin to gain entrance it means that you are making the people are the most Bitcoin richer. You know, you have to have a system that doesn't make any group um, just because they were early adopters benefit from it. You need to create a system that benefits everyone equally. So uh, we've been looking at IPFS and a few other systems to create these um, these technologies. And based on what you have said, and according to nowadays world, where do you see opportunities for humanity? I'd say I see the opportunities for humanity in the... Um, massive possibility of connecting um, connecting ideas. I mean, you can see the, the, the last proper revolution we had was um, with the Gutenberg and the printing press. And that led to, uh, the, you know, to, uh, in the end, led to the Renaissance because, you know, these 
all of a sudden ideas could be published and shared you know if very slow uh, if you look at our time or our um, compared to how the internet has spread but the idea that like allowing ideas to spread in new ways uh, that creates innovation and that creates new inventions and new inventions create new cultures and new societies and and as as my friend uh, Roberto Valenti has pointed out like we are now through the Gutenberg's printing press ultimately led to the separation of church and state. And what is happening now is through Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, we're now separating state and money. And that also opens up for a new renaissance. Um, so I think that there is, therein lies a promise. That said, there are some massive hurdles ahead of us. I mean, obviously, um, climate change, environmental degradation, um, the collapse of our current uh, economic uh, debt-based system uh, that is that is rolling out, the uh, the collapse of um, big factory farming, etc., etc. All all these things and, and globalization because of energy prices. All those these things are quite detrimental. But if we can create um, the chance for people to meet, speak freely, and start innovating. Uh, through crowdfunding and other ways, then I think we have a fighting chance of getting through this hurdle and moving into the next phase. And one of these chances will, of course, be your Connectathon. Uh, you will be organizing for eco-civilization on September 22nd. And please tell us how you came to that idea, how it will look like, what will it be about, and who should not miss this event? <laughs> well, um, we don't quite know yet. It's an experiment. It's it's a proof of uh, proof of concept. Basically, um, uh, um, there are um, people all across the world, people and organizations all across the world, working towards the same goals, but we still don't know about each other. So the idea of the Connectathon was to create this twenty-four hour event where we bring in as many people as possible to come and be part of of uh, this e uh, this equinox because equinox is obviously a traditionally a very magical time of the year a significant time for all cultures before the the current one uh, so to really try to bring bring us back to our roots as one as one species and uh, celebrate the equinox uh, sort of uh, which will always be tipping point between the northern and the southern hemisphere um, where we can sort of pass the torch from one hemisphere to the other um, and the idea is to create a new culture and start having a discussion about what practically would this eco-civilization look like so bringing people together and, and seeing what happens and and this one is so if you're interested in the, in the eco-civilization uh, in any aspect of it um, if you want to get engaged if you're looking to connect with other people who want to engage in this and in particular if you have some real ideas or you want to engage in real ideas and you want to start taking some steps towards wherever we want to be heading rather than, than blindly stumbling into where we go. Because in the past, we've always dealt with one disaster or another and then sort of walked backwards into the future trying to deal with things rather to take a pause, look forward and decide where we want to go and how do we get there and then do a conscious effort to go there and use the tools we have at hand, which is modern IT to, to go there. So um, anyone who's interested in that is most welcome. But also bear in mind that this is simply a proof of concept. We're just going to try things out. We're going to make lots of mistakes and we're going to learn from them. And then uh, the next Equinox, we will uh, do our uh, prototype where we'll, where we'll know a little bit more what we're trying to do. And then the Equinox following that will probably be the first official one. Thank you so much, Tim. Excited about the upcoming Civilization Connected on, on September 22nd. I would like to invite you or the listeners to join us 
All the information you will find on our website, ecocivilization.eu. And thank you, team, again. Thank you very much, uh, dear ecocivilization friends. Take care, love humans, and hope to see you on our Connectathon on 22nd of September. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you.